0: What's going on guys, it's Nick here, back with another video. Today we're going to walk through the draft, talk about the worst pick in every single round. For ADP here, I'm going to be using an average of ESPN, Yahoo, NFL.com, Underdog, and Sleeper, which you can all see for free on my website, thefettishfootballadvice.com. So, let's start things off in round three. I was going to do rounds one and two. I sat there for like 15 minutes just trying to come up with a single name, but I couldn't. ADPs in rounds 1 and 2 are incredibly accurate, and there really just are no wrong choices. Do I have leans? Certainly. Players that I don't draft as much? Sure. But in terms of bad picks, there are none. If you're in a general vicinity of ADP, you know, you're not at pick 5, picking someone who has an ADP of 20, you know, if you're in that general spot, it's a fine pick. Go with your gut in the first two rounds. Round 3 brees hall uh average adp is 31st that is roughly i'm gonna do um say that as opposed to like a 12 team league right so round three here is 12 team league round four 12 team league not in a 10 team league uh it's roughly the mid third round and i have him ranked now as an early fourth round pick um made that adjustment after the espn article kind of came out basically confirming things that we figured would happen before, weren't 100% certain with, but basically, uh, they are expecting to start the season that Dalvin Cook is going to have a very strong workload on the ground, and they're not going to overload uh, Brees Hall. Makes sense, right? I mean, Brees Hall coming off a major injury, someone that they plan on being their featured back for years to come. Why on earth? Would they rush him back? Why on earth would they overload him? They gave uh, Dalvin Cook a lot of money. They gave him a good amount. He's gonna be very involved this season. With how involved he's going to be, even projecting Brees Hall to be highly efficient, I just figured you had to knock down those carries. They're not gonna give him too many, and that bumped him into the fourth round. So um, probably the most risky, uh, and at this point, the least upside pick in round three as well, because you know. Unless they have a Dalvin Cook injury, even if that happens, they still are not going to overload Brees Hall. They will bring someone else in, maybe, but they would probably just go with the running backs they have right now. Um, but they would utilize another back. It wouldn't be a situation where it's like, oh, Dalvin went down, now it's overload Brees. The reason they brought him in because they didn't want to overload Brees Hall. Round four. Uh, everything's honestly pretty accurate right now. My biggest difference is TJ Hawkinson. He's going at pick 44. I haven't picked Forty-eight. So not a huge difference, uh, but again, you know, that's the largest difference in round four. Um, mainly, it's should we be concerned about this like ear infection? Uh, apparently, it's starting to clear up, but he's been missing camp for a while. This is very valuable missed time for Hawkinson. And we still have, you know, a relatively small sample size of him on the Vikings. It's a good sample size, a sample size to where if we extrapolate over a full season, will be a very good pick in this range but I've kind of dropped him more recently I think I would rather draft him in round five just because of some of these concerns um, I'm thinking Addison can command more targets uh, than Adam Thielen was last season kind of seems like Osborne's taking a step up uh, and so you kind of consider that they obviously have Justin Jefferson so there's only so much of a ceiling for Hawkinson and so I don't know I think I just kind of started thinking about it a little bit more and I wasn't super confident in spending a fourth round pick in a redraft league on TJ Hawkinson I think fifth round makes a lot more sense uh, again still has that very clear upside he could have a 100 receptions this season I'm a little concerned with this weird ear infection where his like equilibrium is off and he's just like not able to get back on the practice field again valuable miss time uh, that's not the end of the world but when is he going to come back uh, round five George Kittle another tight end here I think the last tight end on the list uh, he's going 50th overall. I have him 66th. He's also the fourth tight end off boards. He's my tight end six behind Darren Waller and Kyle Pitts. And it's just target competition and the fact that I think I like Waller and Pitts a little bit more than the market does. Kind of looking at the ceiling for Kittle, he needs an injury, like in, especially in round five. Like If Kittle was going in round 12, of course, he not need an injury, right? But to pay off a round five ADP and to return value on that as a tight end, He can't have Debo, McCaffrey, and Ayuk fully healthy all season. That just can't happen. And I don't want to spend a fifth-round pick on a tight end where that's the case. Hopefully, Hawkinson can fall into round five and can take him. But if not, wait. Wait for Darren Waller. Wait for Kyle Pitts because I project them even higher than George Kittle. Um, Waller could dominate the target share for the Giants. When we could see a world where Kittle is like fourth on the target share for the 49ers and they're not even a high-volume passing attack. So... A relatively low floor for Kittle, and we all know he's always had a low weekly floor as well. I'm talking the season long floor is lower than people think, but even the weekly floor for George Kittle, like he has these explosion games, but he has plenty of games where he has like two for 30, two for 40. I know that's just like the case with tight ends, but in round five, I want a little bit better than that. Round six. Mike Evans, I didn't think that I would come to this conclusion, but he's going 70th overall. Uh, I have him ranked 80th overall, so that's 10 spots back. Uh, Quarterback play is obviously just a massive concern with him, and I think it impacts Mike Evans more than impacts Chris Godwin. Uh, Also, you look at last year and you're like, well, I mean, First of all, I know Brady wasn't that great last season, uh, but he was 13th in points per game. So you're like, okay, Brady having like the worst season of his career, he was still 13th in points per game. It was because he had over 43 fantasy points in his last game played last season, you know, before the last week of his season, then they didn't play the final week. But Before his last week, he was 31st in points per game, has an explosion, goes up to 13th. I don't really think we can consider that he was a high-end wide receiver too last season. For the vast majority of the year, he was producing in like the low 30s for points per game. He's now going off the boards as the wide receiver 30. You look at last year, he had 8 half PPR points or less in 8 of 15 weeks. Again, he's got Baker, he's got Trask. He doesn't have Tom Brady anymore. Even in Brady's worst seasons of his career, he's significantly better than Baker and Trask. And like I said before, I think it hurts him more than Godwin because he needs those balls downfield. When a quarterback is bad, the accuracy doesn't get better deep downfield, right? It gets better a little bit in the short area. That's where Godwin can kind of excel. Deep downfield on the sideline, you need these accurate throws. I don't know. I don't see it happening with Mike Evans this season. Round seven. We've got DeAndre Swift. He's going 77th overall. I have him 97, so 20 spots back. Um, lack of carries is really just my biggest concern with DeAndre Swift. Um, I've talked about this before, but if we look at the, um, if you look at just like camp carries, they're just not involving him in the ground game. And I know people want to point out, they're like, well, that doesn't really matter much. And I kind of agree. It doesn't really matter all that much. But I think the major point is, if he was actually going to overtake like the Miles Sanders role from last season, which is not going to happen, obviously. Like My- Miles Sanders was basically only an early down running back. For you to think that DeAndre Swift is going to turn into an only early down running back, that makes zero sense. That is not what his game is. He is good in the receiving game as an explosive change of pace back. That's what he is for DeAndre Swift. Why would he completely flip and only get carries this season? That makes no sense. So then you'd say, okay, well, maybe he'll be a featured back, right? Why would that happen either? They're they're not going to go to a featured running back when they have Penny, they have Gainwell, they have running backs that they trust, that they like, and they've seen DeAndre Swift was literally traded away from the Lions because he couldn't handle a large workload. What are they going to come right away and give him a large workload? It doesn't make any sense. And so I think he's just going to be their passing down back, a passing down specialist. And then there's also reports that in like the four minute trail, two minute trail, they actually like Gainwell. Like They think Gainwell just knows the offense well enough, uh, has produced well in the past in that role, to where they want to keep him in that role. And so if Swift is only a passing down back on a team that's going to win a ton, and he doesn't even have two-minute and four-minute drill upside, where's the upside at pick 77 in the seventh round? I don't see it. Uh Eighth round, A.J. Dillon uh, going 96th. I have him 105th, nine spots back. Uh, It's just tough for me to get behind... The Packers backup running back this late. Like, if we look to last season, many of you know, many of you drafted him. I actually liked him last year because I thought that, you know, with Aaron Rodgers, with the lack of wide receiver weapons they had in this offense, they were going to lean on these running backs and produce well. Now, Aaron Jones, I think, had a slightly positive um, playoff rate and championship rate over expectations. Aaron Jones ends up being a good pick last year. But if you drafted A.J. Dillon, you know, you couldn't start him. I mean, you tried to a few times, he would get like 15 carries for 50 yards and no touchdown, no receptions. You'd be like, okay, so there's my five points. And you just couldn't trust it. So for us to think that they go into this year, they've got Watson improving as a player. They've got Dobbs improving as a player. They're drafting Jaden Reed, uh, Luke Musgrave they're getting on the offense. Those are targets being taken away. And then you're transitioning into Jordan Love, who by all accounts and you know any sort of mental thinking here is going to produce the conclusion that he is not as good as Aaron Rodgers. He can do different things that Rodgers wouldn't do, but he is significantly worse than Aaron Rodgers. And so for us to look at AJ Dillon and be like, the only thing that's changed this season, you're still the back the only thing that's changed is you have more target competition and a worse quarterback. And we couldn't start you before, but we're going to take you in round eight in redraft. I don't buy it absolutely needs an Aaron Jones injury round eight is too early round nine Michael Thomas going 104th overall I have 108 so not too bad um it's just such an uninspiring pick I feel like he's just such a floor pick and we're starting to get close to double digit rounds we're at round nine I don't want floor picks I want players who can really outproduce their ADP and I think people see the name for Michael Thomas and they think that he can He just kind of can't. I mean, Olave is the number one. So maybe Olave could like tear his ACL and they have to force feed Michael Thomas 10, 11 targets per game. Then he outproduces his ADP. But like shy of that, it's not going to happen. Like if you look at his three healthy games last season, he was horrific in success rate versus man and versus zone. He's now a year older, coming off yet another season ending injury massive injury concerns for Michael Thomas. And just, again, the ceiling isn't there. Like, he will need, given the type of player that he is, a very, very low ADOT player that cannot win downfield. And last year showed he couldn't beat man coverage, but we'll see if he can develop that this season a little bit or get that back this season. I'm skeptical. But the point is, he's not a downfield player. So he literally needs 10 to 12 targets per game. To be producing numbers that you're trusting in fantasy, because if he's hovering around seven, eight targets, those are very close to the line of scrimmage. Those have zero upside. He's going to catch a good percentage of them, maybe like 70% of them, but when he catches them, they're only going to go for like 10 or 11 yards. And so if he has seven or eight targets and he's only catching around five to six of them he's going to post a lot of five for 50 and six for 60 games like a lot of those and if he's not going to be like a prolific touchdown score then what are we doing here a bunch of five for 50s is not what we want on a lot of targets seven eight targets a week is a lot he'll have some where he only has four or five those are even lower like if you think that he's going to be commanding double digit targets sure draft him i don't think that's the case Round 10, we've got Kadarius Tony going 109th overall. I have him 118. So ADP finally approaching where I have Kadarius Tony, uh, but it needs to go a little bit further. Um, I have talked about it a lot, so we don't want to go too in depth here, but just dreadful success rates across the entire route tree. Terrible success rates versus man coverage, press coverage, zone coverage. He's just very quick, very good in the open field. And so you give him end rounds, screen passes, and screen blocks. And until he develops to more than that, we can't really trust him in fantasy. And he needed camp to develop into more than that because we have not seen it thus far going to be really, really difficult to trust a gadget player in your starting lineup in a redraft league, even if you're drafting it on Kansas City. I understand the offense is really good, but it's a gadget player. Historically, we haven't found great success drafting gadget players who need schemed looks. They're not going to scheme him 10 targets a game. So he doesn't have a high weekly ceiling unless he scores multiple touchdowns, which you can't exactly predict either, right? So there are going to be a lot of games where you're like, yeah, he should go off, but they only scheme him two to three looks that week. And so he only has two, three, four touches. And that's not something you can trust in fantasy. Round 11, Jerk McKinnon staying with Kansas City. He's going 126th overall. I am 164th. He's a 31-year-old running back that has 672 total rushing yards over the last five years combined. He had two games over 10 touches last season, and then everyone thought they were saving him for the playoffs. In the playoffs, he had 2.5, 2.8, and 6.4 half PPR points. I just don't see the appeal. Again, he's 31. Didn't just turn 31. He is A good 31 years old has been producing 672 total rushing yards over the last five years. He's not gonna do anything on the ground. You're relying all of it on the receptions. Even when you add in the receptions, two games over 10 touches last season, and they were not saving him for the playoffs. That was just the production he was getting. He's now a year older. Like I just, I don't see any appeal with McKinnon. He'd need like four dudes to get hurt and for them not to add a free agent to actually break out this season. Round 12, Adam Thielen going 143rd. I'm 149, so not too bad, uh, but he turns 33 on Tuesday. Yards per target have dropped in five straight years. He's joining a new team. That new team has a rookie quarterback. It's a high-end prospect, but it's a prospect, right? Bryce Young is not going to enter the NFL and be an elite quarterback. It's going to take some time. We know historically, rookie quarterbacks struggle to support high-end fantasy wide receivers. They pretty much never support multiple, but they struggle to produce really high-end fantasy results. And so I think Thielen could maybe return 12th round value, but if he does that, he provides no value, right? Because you weren't planning on starting him. And so if he produces 12th round at his ADP, even if he slightly outproduces round 10, round 11, that's... Still not someone you're starting. I just don't think we're ever going to get to a point this season where you're like, yeah, Adam Thielen, throw him in the starting lineup. I feel really good about that. I just don't think it's going to happen. I think it's possible for some of the wide receivers on this team. I don't see it from Adam Thielen. I would target a higher upside wide receiver in that range. Round 13 damien Harris. Uh ADP is 146. I have him 158 and I honestly want to move him town even further than that. Uh there's a very real chance that Latavius Murray's the Bills running back to this season. Like and I think people kind of put it at maybe like 15%. I think it's at this point like 60/40. I, th- I think that damien Harris has the edge like 60%, but if we're talking about a 40% chance that he's the number 3 running back on Buffalo why would we want that? I mean, Latavius Murray has eight straight seasons of at least 115 carries. He has at least 140 carries in seven of the last eight years. He's better in the receiving game than Damian Harris. He rarely misses time due to injury. Coaches love him. He's produced on multiple teams, even joining that team like during the season. I don't know. Like I just think that teams like Murray so much and he's been so consistent and they can just rely on him to be fine and not screw things up that... I think there's a real chance he wins a number two job over Damian Harris. And if that's the case, and you really want to draft a backup here from some upside, why not wait until round 18 on underdog? Well, literally, like, I don't think he gets drafted anywhere, but if you're in a really deep format, wait till round 20, grab Latavius Murray. There's your upside if you want a Buffalo backup running back. Don't spend around 13 pick on Damian Harris. Again, at best, he's number two. I think he could be number three. In rounds 14 plus... No such thing as a bad pick. I mean, like even round 13, like if you really want to go all in on Damian Harris, I'm not against it. I don't think it's going to impact your team. I think there are much better picks to make and I wouldn't do it personally, but like we're in round 13, 14, 15, 16, many times this is going to be your defense. It's going to be your kicker. And so those aren't bad picks, right? You just got to fill out your roster, but shoot for the moon, right? Don't go for floor picks. That's why I talked about, I think Damon Harris is a floor pick. Adam Thielen is a floor pick. Jerk McKinnon is the ultimate floor pick. He's not going to do anything. Kadarius Tony, I do not think has the upside people think. And so it's like, when you're in this general range, I don't like players because I can't envision starting them in fantasy. So every time you're drafting someone in this range, just think about what is their path to actually starting, Not outproducing their ADP, being like, oh, I think, you know, he's coming off the board as wide receiver 60. I think he finished 50th. You're not starting that, right? You need to start someone who's probably like a top 30 wide receiver. So draft someone who has the upside to be a top 30 wide receiver, not someone who can outperform 60 and finish 50th. So again, no bad picks. You're not going to lose your league no matter what you do in rounds 14 plus, but you got to think about ceiling. Is there an outcome where that player can really be good finish as, let's say, a wide receiver two in fantasy or at least close the season as a wide receiver too maybe you're looking at rookies in this range being like well they're probably not going to do a whole lot but maybe they will maybe there's a chance that in the second half of the season they break out and have a really good close so if you want to see my complete rankings for every scoring format uh two wide receiver three wide receiver rankings all that stuff customizable rankings you can see that on my website thefantasyfootballadvice.com, and if you want to get access to that for free you can check out my underdog promo in the description box down below. All you gotta do is sign up for your first underdog account today using promo code FFA and make a minimum $10 deposit. That's it. And then the next morning, you'll get a login and get all my draft rankings for free, all my underdog content for the entire season for free, and they'll double whatever you put down as a deposit. You put 20 bucks in, they'll turn it to 40 just to make it even better. I know we're in the heart of draft season right now, so take advantage of this deal. It is the best in the industry. So That'll do it for this one, hope you all did enjoy. If you did, have a like button, and have a subscribe to the channel if you're new here. Thanks for watching.